Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Unpacking Articles within Unpacking Language Pedagogy. Today we're going to unpack a classic, Wong and Van Patten, 2003. The evidence is in, drills are out. Even though it is from several years ago, the ideas are still relevant and it still generates as much discussion now as it did back then. Essentially, what the authors are questioning is the value, the role, if any, of mechanical practice in language instruction. I'd like to start with a quote that actually appears towards the end of the article, but I think it's important to keep in mind from the get-go so we understand the goal of the article. And the quote says, Although it remains to be shown that focus on form is necessary for all learners in all contexts, we do believe that focus on form can at least be beneficial to most, if not all, learners if it is informed by what we know about processes involved in acquisition. What the authors are telling us is that this is not an anti-grammar or an anti-focus on form article. They do see a role for pushing learners gently to notice and process certain things in the input. So keep that in mind. They're not questioning the value of all focus on form. Instead, they're questioning just mechanical drills. And in the article, the authors explain that there are three types of drills. Mechanical, meaningful, and communicative. Mechanical drills are exercises where meaning is irrelevant. The whole purpose is to practice producing a correct form. So, for example, complete the following shopping list with the correct indefinite articles. Even though it may be contextualized as a shopping list, students don't need to understand what the words mean. All they need to do is write the correct article. Another example, change these sentences from present tense to past tense. You can do that even if you don't know what the sentences are saying. All you need to know is how to conjugate the verb in past tense. And one more example. Provide the plural forms of these words. We've all seen those activities, right? Something like, I have one dog, my friend has two blank. And the students have to write the word dogs. I actually have four dogs, but that's beside the point here. The point is that you don't need to understand the sentence. All you need to do is change that one word from singular to plural. Let's talk about meaningful drills. As the name implies, meaning does play a role, but there is an expected correct answer. And the purpose is once again to practice producing a correct form, nothing else. An example of a meaningful drill would be something like Take turns asking each other questions about the location of objects in the classroom. So one student says, where is the book? And the other learner says, it's on the table, and so on. The students have to understand the question in order to respond, but the person who asked the question knows the answer already, so clearly there is no purpose other than to practice. And the third and final type of drill is a communicative drill. It is similar to a meaningful drill, but the difference is that the person who asks the question doesn't know the answer. So, for example, take turns asking each other questions about what you did last weekend. So, if one student asks, did you do homework? They don't know what their partner will answer. They could say yes, they could say no, they could say a little, yes, a lot of homework. I mean, the answers could vary. That's different from where is the book? 
It's on the table. I already know it. I'm looking at the book. What about meaning? Well, the student does need to understand the question in order to answer. Did you do homework? If I'm not understanding the question, I cannot answer. But I would say that last part is debatable, especially when it's yes-no questions. Since students have no real reason for understanding what their partner is sharing with them, they could just say, yes, I did homework, even if they have no clue what did homework means. So to sum up, whenever an activity has no purpose other than to practice language, for example, practice asking questions, telling time, saying numbers, etc., then we call them drills. Why are drills so prevalent in language teaching? They are remnants of behaviorism. The underlying belief is that practice makes perfect. And as we saw in our first episode, that goes against one of the observations about second language acquisition that Leibon summarized. Remember? Practice in the sense of drills does not make perfect. I'd say nothing makes perfect. And besides, why are we so obsessed with being perfect anyway? If we dig a little deeper, the underlying premise behind thinking that practice makes perfect is that learning a language is like learning anything else. I'll show you how practice, 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 and then you're perfect. Well, many people in SLA do not agree with that statement. And I'm saying learning in a general sense. Let's not get into the whole learning versus acquisition thing here. I'm talking about language development as a whole. And what does language development entail? The authors of the article explain that we basically have to do two things. One is to develop a system in our heads that has to do with mental representation. And the other thing is to develop communicative ability. And that has to do with skill. So we have mental representation and skill. The question is, are mechanical drills good for either one of those two things? Let's start with the first part, mental representation. To build a system in our heads, we need to make form meaning connections from the input. And well, right there, mechanical drills don't help us much with that. Why? First, because they don't involve meaning. So how are you going to make form meaning connections if meaning is irrelevant? And second, they don't provide input because the whole point of a mechanical drill is to produce the correct form. So what could we do? Are there any type of form-focused activities that actually help with mental representation? The authors say yes, and they propose structured input. Structured input is difficult to explain without visuals, so if you're interested in learning more about what it is, go to the YouTube channel of Unpacking Language Pedagogy and you will see a video that explains all about structured input and has lots of examples too. Okay, let's keep going. What about the second part of language development? Do mechanical drills help us with respect to skill development? The authors say no, at least not in terms of communicative ability. The evidence they present comes from early classroom studies that compared groups doing drills and groups doing communicative tasks. And what they found was that drilling of forms did not help the students to develop communicative ability. 
and they cite one study in particular that found that explicit instruction followed by drills actually hindered the development of communicative ability because the students kept overusing the forms that had been drilled. And so that is further evidence that students are not making form meaning connections because they're using those forms even when they're not appropriate, when they're not expressing what they should be expressing. And this issue of learners overusing a form that had been taught and drilled is not unique to this one study. It has come up in other studies too. So the authors take all of this evidence to mean that mechanical drills are not necessary or even helpful for developing mental representation or skill. In other words, mechanical drills are not contributing anything to language development. In the last part of the article, the authors address some objections, which perhaps you are thinking about them as you listen to this podcast. And the first objection or question is, could the role of drills vary depending on the language? In other words, could this mechanical practice and explicit instruction be helpful for some languages? The author's response is that theories of second language acquisition are not specific to some languages. Therefore, saying that we need input in order to build a linguistic system is not something exclusive to Spanish or French. It applies to all languages. And if drills are not giving students input and they're not focusing on meaning, then they're not contributing to building the linguistic system, regardless of the language. That doesn't mean that all languages should be taught the exact same way. For example, how you make the input comprehensible is going to vary a lot from language to language. The type of forms that you focus on will vary a lot from language to language. But the role of input doesn't change from language to language. And we certainly cannot claim that meaningless practice is somehow helpful or necessary for some languages, but not for others. That's the point that the authors are trying to make. Another objection is, what about automaticity? because the belief is that if you drill it, if you repeat it so much, then eventually it becomes automatic. You don't even think about it. Well, the issue with that question is that it assumes, once again, that acquiring a language is the same as learning anything else, how to dance, how to play chess, how to solve an equation, etc. And as we have said many times, that premise is objectionable. Language learning, language development, language acquisition is not the same as learning anything else. How do we know that? The evidence comes from the fact that we acquire things from the input that were never explicitly taught. The third objection is, what about output? As we know, drills are about producing language. And if we say that drills are out, does that mean that output is out? No, not quite. The authors clarify that output does play a role in language development. And this quote captures their views on output. It says, It is possible that learners must produce language in communicative contexts 
in order to become fluent and accurate communicators. However, using language repeatedly in communicative context is neither equivalent to drilling nor to constructing the linguistic system itself. In other words, they acknowledge the role of output to increase fluency and accuracy, but they want to distinguish output or producing language in a communicative context for a meaningful purpose from producing forms in a drill which is devoid of meaning and devoid of purpose. So the takeaway for me is to keep in mind why, what, and how in that order. Purpose, meaning, and form. One serves the other. And when it comes to activities, at the very least, ask yourself, could students complete it without paying much attention to meaning? If the answer is yes, then something needs to be adjusted. If we want the activity to contribute to language development, then students should be compelled to understand or express meaning. That's just my take on it. As usual, I encourage you to read the original and draw your own conclusions. Thank you for tuning in and until next time.